0: Well, I get to introduce the speaker today, and guess who it is? Come up, Judy. She is going to share with us. I wanted her to share on Thanksgiving Sunday. because You know why? Because this is one of the most thankful people I know. She is a glass is half full person. And believe me, I need a person in my life that the glass is half full. Because sometimes I get a little snarky, and I get a little negative in life. And this lady, just she says, but you know what? Maybe he just couldn't do it. I go, yeah, well, (laughs) crabby old pastor. And she just lifts me up and helps me with that so much, and I appreciate it so much. I love this lady, and I appreciate her heart so very much. That smile is deep. It is deep. It is in her bones, and I'm very thankful for that. She's going to share with you today. God bless. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Today, I wanted to say, I feel like we could go home this very minute and we have just had a wonderful service because everybody here has shared deep from your heart, your thankfulness and what God's done for you this year. And in the midst of a pandemic, God still works miracles and he still does things in our lives. I always think about judges, Boaz and Ruth. I think that was during that hard time, but God did that. God had a purpose in it for generations later for Jesus. But in the midst of a very hard time, God was still moving. Just because it's a hard time doesn't mean he's left. He never leaves us, ever. And uh, sometimes we may not feel him. We may not see him like that song we sing. We may not feel him move, but he's moving. And if we continue to trust him and uh, obey him and have a grateful heart, it's amazing what he can do in our lives. I wanted to read a little short story to you um, about, this is just a gentleman that showed gratitude, and it's just very short, but I think it's good. Something to make me ponder. A man was watching his 80-year-old neighbor planting a small peach tree. He inquired of him as follows. You don't expect to eat peaches from that tree here, do you? The old man rested on his spade. He said, no, at my age, I know I won't. But all my life, I've enjoyed peaches, never from a tree that I planted myself. I'm just trying to pay the other fellows who planted the trees for me. I thought, what a good lesson. Let's pay it forward. You know what? I'm thankful for people that planted trees 100 years ago. In the backyard there where we are, I tell you what, those trees are amazing. And I think, thank you, Lord, for whoever planted those trees. And however many years later we get to enjoy them, I'm very grateful. So sometimes we can look around and it's easy to kind of take for granted little things. But we need to, like somebody had a word about awe this morning. I can't remember who it was. But we need to keep a sense of awe. I think when we have a grateful heart, we do have a sense of awe. We don't lose it. But anyway, we went on our trip, as you know. And I always loved history, though I wonder where I was in history class because I don't remember a lot of details. Maybe it's just because it's been so long, but... We had the best time. Those museums, the pictures, it was amazing. And I feel like I learned so much. I know anytime you visit a place, you do learn a whole lot more than just reading about it, but it was phenomenal. So um, I, I didn't, I'm not sharing any pictures that we took, but I wanted to talk a little bit this morning about um, the origins of our national Thanksgiving holiday. Um, how it kind of came about, and it didn't come about instantly, but though people had grateful hearts from the very beginning, to make it a national holiday was quite a feat. So um, I'll just start with the year 1621. Near Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts, the pilgrims celebrated their first harvest with a feast, often referred to as our first Thanksgiving their feast lasted for three days, and it included the Indians that helped them learn how to plant and fish and hunt and helped them to learn how to survive that first very harsh New England winter. So nearly half of them had died. Nearly half of the people that came over died before that time, but they were still thankful and expectant. I wanted to read a little portion of an, of uh, what one of those... First Pilgrims wrote, his name is Edward Winslow, and he described their thanksgiving in these words. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, which is bird hunting, so that we might, after a special manner, rejoice together after we'd gathered the fruit of our labors. They, four in one day, killed as much fowl as served the company almost a week, Many of the Indians came, amongst them the greatest, their greatest king, Massasoit, I'm not sure I pronounced that right, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are far from want." So that festival became the, um, the precedent for our modern holiday Thanksgiving. So that was 1621. Skip on down to 1755. When George Washington was 23 years old, he fought, first time he had fought, in the French and Indian War. The British, he was on the British American side and then there was the French and a lot of the American Indians fought with them. So the British and American troops were ambushed when the French and Indian soldiers caught them off guard as they rode through a very thick forested area. After the battle, Washington described what happened in a letter to his little brother. By all the powerful dispensations of Providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability and expectation for I had four bullets in my coat and two horses shot from under me. Yet although death was leveling my companions on every side, I escaped unhurt. Washington was the only one of 86 officers in that battle that survived. One out of 86 officers on horseback that survived. Years later, about 15 years later, he met the Indian chief that directed the, the Indians during that battle on the other side. And he told him to single out the officers and shoot them down. Washington had been singled out, and the chief said that he personally shot at Washington 17 times to no avail. Believing Washington to be under the care of the great Spirit the chief instructed the Braves to cease firing at him. Washington, at that time, recognized that God's hand was on him and had saved his life. He became known that day as the bulletproof George Washington. 1777, about 22 years later now, General George Washington was now known all over America, France, and Britain, and he was known for his integrity and his honesty. After being defeated in several battles during the American Revolutionary War, he led the 12,000-man Continental Army to their winter quarters at Valley Forge. His soldiers... These 12,000 men had been farmers and merchants. They were not professionally trained soldiers. They were ill-equipped. They were poorly fed. They, some of them didn't have shoes, and they lacked blankets. And they were exhausted from long marches and battle after battle. Yet, you know what they did? They stopped in an open field right by Valley Forge. And they thanked God for what he had done, how he had kept them. And you know what? Not only that, not only did they give thanks, but it's amazing because of their gratitude and their heart to give thanks and the leader's attitude to give thanks, God intervened and he sent someone to train them how to fight after that. And it was uphill after that. In 1789... A few months after President George Washington's inauguration, he issued Presidential Proclamation Number 1, the very first one. Have you ever looked up on the Internet all the presidential proclamations? There are a lot of them. This was the very first one for our nation. It was the day of national Thanksgiving. President Washington said it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. He had done this personally throughout his life. Now, as our commander-in-chief, he proclaimed it as, as nationally for the whole nation. Isn't that amazing? What a leader! It was nothing new to him. He had always lived this way. Now he led that way, too. We will lead the way we live, won't we? Though he declared Thanksgiving Day as a national holiday, though, dissension between the colonies prevented it from becoming a reality at that time. 1817, New York was the first state to adopt Thanksgiving Day as an annual custom. Other states slowly began doing it, but it was not done on the same day. It was just kind of here and there. Then in 1827, a young woman named Sarah Hale began a one-woman crusade to have Thanksgiving celebrated on the same day nationwide. She felt it would help to unite Americans. She was a writer and an author, and as a matter of fact, she's known for writing. Mary Had a Little Lamb, and we saw her grave on our trip. She's buried close to Paul Revere and some of those big heroes that made a difference in our nation. She made a difference in our nation, quietly. As editor of the influential Goatee's Ladies Book Magazine, she used the publication as a platform for her crusade. She eventually began to petition governors and territories to establish a common day to give thanks. So, some 30-something years later, in 1863, finally, October 3rd, President Abraham Lincoln, under her urging, issued a proclamation setting aside the last Thursday of November as the day of national thanksgiving. He restored neglected presidential proclamations of prayer and thanksgiving. This was right in the height of the Civil War. No president since Lincoln has forgotten or neglected the American tradition of celebrating Thanksgiving each year. And I pray to God that it's from a sincere, deep heart of gratitude that we all do that. Well, the pilgrims, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and a lot of other leaders throughout the centuries have had paramount battles. And many of them have shown gratitude to God and they've made a difference where they were. They thanked him for what he had done and they continue to trust him no matter what it looked like to lead them through the future. Thank God for those leaders. Thank God for every one of those leaders. So here we are. Here we are today. And we face battles on every side, don't we? We're facing battles today on every side. Every generation has. We're facing some different ones. Our culture is screaming at us not only to conform, but to celebrate and promote sin. Many mock at God's word as being out of date or ineffective. Powerless. The enemy is pushing to weaken or overtake our families, our churches, our schools, and our nation. But you know what? We're not alone. We are the church. We are the church. And we have to remember what the scriptures say about the church. We have to remember what the Bible says over what the headlines say. We have to remember it over what social media says. We have to remember what the scriptures say over what everybody around us at work or school is saying. We have to remember the scriptures. When I did youth, I always said, I remember I would always say, what does the Bible say? When it boils down to it, that's the final thing what does the bible say if you do and live your life according to as the bible speaks he will see you through He'll not only see you through but he will use you you know well matthew 16 18 says i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it thank you lord thank you for that promise I wanted to read this scripture. It took me a few years to really understand this scripture. I remember in the King James, I just remember as a young person and through the years going, what does this really mean the way it says it? I knew it was a powerful scripture, but I didn't quite fully grasp the meaning. It's 2 Corinthians, uh, whoops, wrong page. 2 Corinthians ten four is where it, it's 4 and 5. It says, the weapons of our warfare, this is amplified, the weapons of our warfare. There are not physical. In the King James, it says they're not carnal. They're not weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction. I can just see that word. It's, it's like the bomb hits it and it, it's exploded. It's gone. And it says divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Fortresses, strongholds that the devils put up. And we, we want, you know, it's, it's fortresses around us that are not true, but we believed them. You know, maybe lies that we've accepted or perceptions that we've grabbed onto and we've not known any other way. But it's, it's like, no, his word, his weapons will help us to know the truth. We are destroying sophisticated sophisticated arguments. And every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. That's the scriptures. And we are taking up every thought and every purpose. We're taking those captive to the obedience of Christ. Wow, that's a powerful scripture. I would encourage you sometimes just to sit down and, and look at that. That's just meant so much to me through the years. And then in John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said, If if you are faithful to what I have said, then you truly are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah for the truth. I don't want to live in some kind of la-la land. I want to know the truth, and I want to be changed, and I want to grow. Don't you? And the only way we can is to be in the Word so that we'll know what the Scriptures say so we can recognize something that's not true. Well, we just have a few years, a lifetime. Now that I'm 63, as you get older, you realize it really is a few years because it goes so fast. It feels like, you know... But we just have a few years to speak life and to influence those people in our lives that we love so much, our children, our grandchildren, our our coworkers, you know, neighbors, just people that have been in our life along the way, and each other, church body. So we could talk about these weapons this morning. You know, there's the armor of God. Think about those pieces of armor. They're powerful. They're good. Thank God for them. We could talk about his word. We could talk about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. We could talk about prayer. We could talk about worship. There are so many things. When you're going to share a message, it's so hard because there's so much. It's like, how, what do you want me to say? You know? So I think with thanksgiving upon us, I decided I really want to just talk about something really super simple, but it's powerful. It's dynamic and that it's an attitude that can change our inner world as well as the world around us, and that is the attitude of gratitude. Having a thankful heart, good times and bad, just keeping a grateful heart. You know, there is some, it's a saying that's kind of popular right now, but it really is true. There's always something to be thankful for, always something. The Psalms are really comforting and encouraging when you go through a hard time. How many of you have kind of looked through the Psalms when you've gone through a hard time? I've done that many times. And we find that David encouraged himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Psalm 91, two says, I will say of the Lord. I'm not just going to say, I'm going to speak it. I'm going to proclaim it because there's power in my words. I'm going to say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my stronghold, my place of safety, and in him I will trust. I will trust no matter what it looks like or feels like or what's going on around me. I will trust. And in Psalm one sixteen seven, 7, it says, I love this one. Let my soul be at rest again. When you've experienced trauma and pain and loss, it is so hard to find rest. It's just a process. But it says, let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. When we practice thankfulness, in every circumstance and every season, toxic emotions like envy, resentment, unforgiveness, frustration, regret, anger, all those emotions take a back seat when we practice thankfulness. And it's a choice. We have to choose it. And when when we do that, we don't have to feel we don't feel like we have to compare our life anymore to someone else I'm not comparing my life to yours because my life is different God has a plan for me it's going to look different and I'm not going to compare myself anymore to you I don't have to feel anymore like somebody owes me something you owe me that was not fair but if I work it through in prayer if I wrestle it through in prayer I can be thankful for the good things God has done and I can continue to trust him Nobody owes me anything. And you know what? If any, if it were to be that someone did me wrong, guess what? I have seen God defend me. Sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes it's a long time. But he has defended me so many times, so many times. He's just taken care of me. And our heart can rest knowing that God will work on our behalf if we keep trusting. So when we focus on what we do have instead of what we don't have, our attitude of, I deserve, becomes, well, life isn't perfect, but it's good. It's good. God's in control. It may not feel good at the moment, but I know he's in control and I have peace. And I know it's going to be okay. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be what he, there's a little song. I can be everything he wants me to be. I can do everything he wants me to do. It's something about possibilities. There's great possibilities. Yes, yeah. I remember my first grandson. I got him that song and book for his first birthday. Anyway, in, in the Philippians, Paul told the church there to choose gratitude. He said, rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He told him this while he was in prison chained to a Roman guard he didn't know if he was going to be executed or set free he didn't know the future it's easy for us to read it and go but but he got set free and he kept going but no he didn't know can you imagine being in a prison chained to a Roman guard and going they're going to take me out they're going to kill me they're going to stone me they're going to hang me whatever But that's his situation. But he's telling the persecuted church there to rejoice. He's not only choosing joy, but he's telling the church that he knows is having a difficult time to choose joy. He wasn't a superhero. He was a regular man that experienced a lot of loss and disappointment, uh, unfairness, and loneliness. But you know what? One time he told the church, one time he told the church, I long to see you as a mother longs to see her nursing child. You can't love much deeper than that. That's love. He loved the church and he was convinced, even though it was hard to tell them to rejoice during this time, he knew that if they would choose joy and if they would keep trusting, that God would be with them and he would help them. Through whatever came, whether he was there or not. He chose to rejoice. He lived 1 Thessalonians 5:16 to 19, and this is what it says. This is Paul living this. Always be joyful. It's a choice. I didn't say always feel joyful. I said always be joyful. You know, as we were singing this morning, I thought, I can't remember which song it was or even what it said now, but it was like, it just convinced me. Sometimes when the times are hard, that's when we really need to say it. That's when we need to really proclaim, I will obey the Lord. He is my Lord. He is my rock. I will trust him. I will follow him. So he's saying, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. I think Wally shared a similar scripture from Ephesians this morning. When he said it, I thought, yeah. (laughs) So now, no matter what season of life we're in, whether we're in a very joyful, abundant time or whether we're in a time where we're really facing some issues, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice to look for the good and to be thankful and express gratitude to the people around us. That's really important. Whether you write it in a note, send an email, speak it, however you want to show it, however the Lord would direct you, just show them gratitude. And I encourage you this week, you know, let's let's tell some people thank you. I think everybody here does that from that video. I was just amazed. So this morning I want to talk about the benefits. What are some benefits of maintaining a thankful heart? Are there benefits, besides what the, we've already talked about, are there benefits? And I started looking up, um, you know, scientific things. I just started kind of investigating. I think it's interesting, especially things of the mind I find very interesting. So first of all, gratitude reduces stress. It helps us overcome trauma, and it fosters resilience. Isn't that amazing? the time we feel the least like offering thanks, that's the time when we most need to. Luke twenty two thirty one 31 and 32, Jesus said this to Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, when you have returned to me, wow, faith, that's, that's an amazing, encouraging, it had to be encouraging. When you return, strengthen your brethren. We don't just live for ourselves. We influence others whether we realize it or not. Satan infuses thoughts in our mind, and that is where the battlefield begins. That is the battlefield in our mind. He infuses fear and discouragement, temptation, depression. He's after our face. That's ultimately what he's after. He wants us to give up the battle. Give it up. Quit the fight. But we have to diligently guard our heart, guard our mind, our heart, the center where our affections and our desires are, we have to guard it. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep it with all diligence because where your affections and your desires are, that's where you're going to make your choices. The issues of life, that's where you're going to choose which way you're going to go in every circumstance. So guard your heart and protect your mind. I thought about the, uh, the armor, you know, and the weapons, and I thought about the helmet of salvation, and I thought, hmm, helmet of salvation. And I thought, yeah, because every battle we go through, our mind has to be protected. Every battle, every kind, pride, arrogance, fear, doubt, all those things. So the helmet of salvation, I thought, wow, that was a good description, Lord. Thank you, of course, as always. It was amazing. But he it's not only for our salvation one time, but In every situation. Isn't that wonderful what he provides? So anyway, I was thinking as I thought about that. Okay, y'all. I was singing about a song that when my kids were little, we sang it. And when I was teaching kids a lot, we sang it. And it says, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then it goes on and it says, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, yeah. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. You know, there's a scripture that says, death and life are in the tongue. Our words are powerful. And all these are the gateway to our soul. It's the gateway to our soul. So I was thinking how it must grieve God's heart when we go through our battles and when we struggle. Not always, not grieving at us, but grieving for us. Just as I grieve for my children. When my children, somebody says something ugly to my children, oh, watch out. Oh, I so badly, so badly want to defend them and say something. I so badly want to take up for them and be their defense. I have done that before. But mostly I'll pray But I'll and I'll talk to them because I think no matter what the other person says or does, you know what, ultimately it's your attitude and it's your heart and it's your learning to forgive and it's your learning to not go by what they say. You're not who they say you are. So that grieves my heart though. And it's very hard not to stand up and want to go beat them up (laughs) it really is and I think that has to be how God feels he wants to defend us and he's looking down but it's not he's looking down to beat us up he's looking down in love he wants to protect us and to keep us if we will listen and obey if we'll keep a grateful heart it just opens all kinds of amazing blessings from God and from other people It's really amazing. We have to not allow bitterness to come in. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. How do we keep our mind on him? Well, we read the word, we pray, we worship, we commune with one another and encourage one another. We, we need to keep our mind on him, especially at a time when everything feels out of control. It's, it's out of our control, but it's not out of his control. Times of trust, of testing and trial, ruminating, you know, going over and over and over about how faithful God has been in the past. Wow, look what he did there. Remember that? Oh, I remember I was so afraid us then God. So as you ruminate on God's faithfulness and past victories and you offer a sacrifice of praise, you know, it's a choice. And sometimes it is a sacrifice, not because he's not worthy all the time, but because it's just hard for us to do it. But when we do, it provides an anchor for our soul. It puts down a place that no matter what goes on, I'm steady. When we focus on the blessings that we can identify and give thanks for the things that we can see that are good, then we begin to regain perspective. Inner peace replaces anxiety. Thank you, Lord. Instead of being anxious, he says in Philippians, pray about everything. Pray specifically about everything. There's nothing, he's not going to get tired of you talking. He's not going to get tired of you repeating whatever you need to say until you work it through. But he says, instead of being anxious, come on, give it to me. Give it to me. Let me take care of it. I will walk you through this. So we have inner peace instead of anxiety. Our heart can begin the journey to wholeness. When you have been broken and you feel like, it's the end. I. This is it. I'm never going to. I'm like, I remember feeling this. I'm like humpty dumpty on the wall. I've had the great fall. And nobody and nothing will be able to help me get through this. Much less fulfill God's purpose in my life. This wasn't what I thought would happen. This was not my plan. And I certainly did not expect it. But I found out that he really is the restorer. He really is the restorer. So gratitude reduces stress, helps us overcome trauma, and fosters resilience. You know what else it does? It improves physical and psychological health. If you think negative all the time, eventually it'll affect your body. You've got to gotta train your thoughts. John Maxwell says, many have... Uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Mm, I thought that was really powerful. So did you know that if you, it's been proven, if you spend 10 minutes at the beginning of the day, 10 minutes, just 10 minutes at the beginning of the day, um, in solitude and meditation, I would say the word and prayer. Because I don't know of any other way, but God's word and prayer. At the beginning of the day, it will enable us to have greater focus, greater calm, and greater clarity for the day. It's like we're talking about his mercies are new every morning. we got to refill every morning. We fill our gas tank. We keep the oil changed. We paint our barns. We take care of those things. We better take care of our soul. Yeah. And it's so easy when you have to rush out the door not to have time or time time to do it I have a sticky under my computer screen at work I have four of them they're really good quotes that really minister to me but this one says um, it says what is the most important thing I can do today you know what that directs me to every morning I'll usually just open up proverbs for the day I'll read my proverbs I'm like I can at least read my proverb for the day and just pause and say okay you know and I pray on my way to work and all that I pray in the spirit a lot on my way to work um but anyway when I get there it's like okay before I start everything else if there's not anybody coming to anything urgent I just I'll open up my proverbs for the day the chapter um giving sincere thanks sincere thanks at painful times it's like doing mental push-ups We get stronger every time we do it. I remember feeling that. I went through a very hard time at one time a few years ago. I was alone, and I was in my house, and I remember sitting at the table, and I thought, well, here I am. You know, man, who would ever thought, you know? Um, But I just sat there, and I said, well, Lord, I'm not going to make it if you don't intervene. I'm just not going to make it. There's no way I can make it. I have my checkbook. I have my ledger. All these things besides emotions and everything else that was going on. I'm not going to make it if you don't intervene. It was the truth. And I decided I had to make some choices. And I'm thankful the Lord helped me to make those choices. I, I chose. I thought I'm going to dig in the word more. I'm going to spend time with him alone. I'm going to worship. I am going to pay every bill on time. Thankfully, I didn't have credit cards or anything. It was just regular base bills. But still, it was barely enough to cover them. I got paid once a month, and I'd be like, okay, bills, tithes. I said, I'm paying my tithes. That's scriptural, God. It's yours. I'm sure not going to rob from you. It's bad enough. If I rob from you, um, I know it's over. (laughs) And I want to obey you. So I said, I'm going to pay my tithe, and so I, and I got a job, miraculously, a different job, and um, it wasn't quite enough to make it, but it was a lot better than what I had at the school, um, Bible school. So um, I decided, I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to learn. I'm going to do whatever it takes, and my kids teased me because I worked in public relations, and so I'd come home with the laptop, the camera, and all this stuff, I didn't do any of that stuff other than like I worked in Christian schools and stuff that I did input or something but um, I had never gone out and written articles or taken pictures at events that kind of stuff and they just laughed they said mom we can't believe this I'm like I can't either (laughs) but anyway but something else I chose to do that I've never regretted um, and I'm so grateful the Lord really directed my steps and that is that I Though I really didn't have money for meals, I, I would, I knew my family needed to be rebuilt, my kids. You know, it was a divorce, and anytime there's a divorce, there's not only a splitting of two people, it's not only a ripping apart of your hearts, your body, everything, your soul, just a ripping apart. It's not only half of you being gone, but your children, no matter what age they are, it's so devastating. And though my kids understood what was going on, they knew the situation and uh thankful they I'm thankful they loved me, they were supportive of me, they knew everything. And and so I decided I've still got to keep my family together. I've got to save my family. I love my children. I know every mom in here would say, I will do whatever it takes for my children. And I thought, okay, on birthdays we've got to have meals or maybe just at least a cake, we just got to get together. So that's what we started doing. I'd say, hey, y'all, all want to come over and I'll make a cake. And, you know, it was interesting. Some of the things that came out at the very beginning, my son would say, he had a little bit of hurt in his heart, you know, and he'd say, well, you really spanked us. You really, and he was right. Sometimes I would spank him when I was angry. And I said, and I'd just say it. I'd say, Jeremy, I'm so sorry. I love y'all more and I love anybody in the whole world and I would never do anything to hurt you. But sometimes I did get angry and I'd spank you good and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to hurt your heart. I only wanted to help you grow to be the man that I knew that you could be and that would be so much more than I am and know so much more. I wanted the best for you. And I guess that's why it was kind of hard, because I didn't want them to be undisciplined. I wanted them to grow up and be good men and women that love the Lord, and they do. They're wonderful. I'm so proud of them. But anyway, um, the Lord began to rebuild, and he began to build me. I prayed at that time, God, would you take me? This is just the time we might as well do this. Just take me all the way back. Take me all the way back from when I was a girl. And if there were any ideas or perceptions or attitudes that I gained along the way that were not of you, would you please change them? Would you please change me? Build you in me. And he started the process. took a long time. I must have been pretty bad. <laughs> I always tell somebody, I must have been pretty bad. It took a long time. But he's just so faithful, you know. And sometimes it's not even sinful perceptive uh, ideas. It's just wrong. I think there was a lot of ignorance in my life, really. I don't mean that. I just mean a lot of not knowing and not knowing how to do things. And so, but he did that. He began to build me. He built my life, and he built me and put me back together. And God has blessed me so much. Anyway, but I, was, I learned to be so grateful for every little thing, every little thing. And I still am. I just, it's not hard for me to be grateful. It wasn't hard for me to be grateful before, but after this situation of all these years, it's like, wow, I am so thankful because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from him. So anyway, cultivate gratitude consistently. Make it a habit. And And it does make us stronger on the inside. Whereas murmuring and complaining will cause us to be blind to what's good around us, uh, we'll become depressed if we murmur and complain and we can't find the good. Uh, we'll discourage those around us. And I don't want to take the courage from anybody. I want to build courage. And the worst thing is we'll misrepresent the Lord. So we've just got to try. And it's got to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we do have the power to choose how we respond. Uh, Revelation 12:11 says, We overcome him, our enemy, by the blood of the Lamb... And the word of our testimony. So we believe the finished work of the cross. We believe that our atonement was paid for. There's nothing we can do about it. Just like when I sat at my table, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not going to make it, God, if you don't intervene. I just knew it, no doubt. And it's the same way for our salvation. There's nothing we can do about it. No matter how good or bad you've been, there's nothing you can do about it. Only he can do it. So just say, God, I I surrender to you. I believe you. Whether I feel like it or whether I feel I deserve it or not, thank you for providing atonement for me. And we confess. We meditate on what he says, and we confess that over our feelings while we wait. And then hope begins to rise. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about, gratitude, the benefit of it, is that it opens the door to new relationships. And Helen Keller said this, she said, when one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we don't see the one that has been opened for us. There was a time in Jesus' life, this is Matthew chapter 4, let's see, beginning, well, I won't go there. Anyway, uh, when he led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for the purpose, when I read this morning again, it jumped out at me, it was to be tempted by the devil. That was the purpose. So for 40 days he fasted and he stayed in the wilderness and at the end of the 40 days, when he's really exhausted, I'm sure, and hungry, because he was a man here on earth, he was at the and that's when the devil came to him. And that is when the devil comes to us. When we're exhausted, or sick, or just discouraged, those are the times he'll come and he'll kick. He doesn't play. He's wicked. He's got a purpose. That's to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his purpose. And that's all he's going to do. Anyway, at the end of the trial, though, Jesus stood solid on what God said. That was his final answer. He didn't wait. And say, well, I kind of feel that, and well, I wonder about that. Nope. He stood firm on God's word. You know, when we go through a trial, we've got to have it in our heart before it hits, so that we can do it. And then just keep on feeding on it. But anyway, so at the beginning of this temptation, um, comes to him. The tempter came to him and said, Okay, you're hungry, turn this rock into bread. So simple turn the rock into bread. You've got the power. You can do it. Hmm. Provide your own need instead of waiting on God. Provide your own need. God has a timing. God has a purpose. And when we jump ahead and try to provide for ourselves, it's the same. It can't be the same quality and it can't have the same effect. Then Satan took Jesus to the highest pinnacle of the highest spot on the and this time he tempts him to, to throw himself down. Just jump off. And this time he throws in scriptures. He says, oh, he's going to play with scriptures. Let me throw a few in there for you. He says, hmm, well, you know, God says he'll command his angels to protect you and serve you. They'll lift you up so you won't dash your foot against a stone. So Satan, he's so so insidious. Is that the word? So tricky. And he'll throw in some scripture. And he's saying this time, he's saying, prove yourself. Prove yourself. If you're the son of God, you've got what it takes. Prove yourself. You know what I say in this scripture? Instead of when he says, throw yourself off, to me doing something like that would be testing God's patience. As a matter of fact, it talks about that in Deuteronomy 6, about testing God's uh, patience. Sure, God can do it, but he doesn't do it when we want him to, so we rush ahead and take care of it ourselves with the credit card or whatever. No, that's not the right way, and it's so easy. But he says, prove yourself, the devil says. I see self-advancement in this scripture. When you're able but you have to stop and pray. Yeah, I may be able to do this, but what is God's will in this situation? What is his will now for me? So then the last thing, the devil took Jesus to a very tall mountain and he showed him all the big cities around, all the beautiful, all the beauty. This time he promises Jesus' promotion. Ah, mm mm-hmm. Yep, he says, all this power and glory can be yours. Sounds like a salesman. This can be yours today if you will bow down and worship me. Ooh, that would end everything. Bow down and worship me. You can have all the beauty, all the power, all the glory. Hmm. Wow. We have to really know. when The Bible says only God can promote. It doesn't, how does it say it from, it doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. And we just need to wait, do our best, and trust the Lord and see what he does. Promotion comes from the Lord and we don't want any counterfeit. We don't want a counterfeit promotion. So the devil's defeated. God sent angels to minister to Jesus and to serve him. And I look back at this and I think, The things that he promised, wow, God took care of his food. God took care of everything that he wanted. He just needed to wait on the Lord, and he did. Thank God he did. And then right after that scripture about that, it says Jesus did some amazing, phenomenal things. Somehow I had never put this together before until I read it this time. But it was like then he went out he chose his disciples. How important was that to choose the people that would be the beginning of the church? The church of the ages. That was important. He didn't do it in himself. He had to be led by the Lord. And he taught. He taught he taught the truth. He taught principles of God's word God's way to set people free so they wouldn't have wrong mindsets it's it set them free teaching the truth and then he preached the gospel and we know that anointed teaching breaks bondage when you teach the word of God and it's anointed it's God inspired it can break bondage off of people And he says in here, if you'll repent of your old ways of thinking, maybe you thought that was right. That's what he did for me. Maybe you thought this this was your perception, but let me tweak it a little bit. I've got a better way. And he says, repent of your old ways, for the kingdom of heaven is here. The people sat in darkness, but then came a great light. We sat in darkness at one time, but the light came upon us. Aren't you thankful for that? I am so thankful for that. One night on our trip, we were in a hotel room, and the people, the outside there, I know we mentioned it before, but it was bad. It was bad. It involved prostitution, and it involved, I don't know at all. It was bad. The next day, some people came down. I go, oh, normal people, and then I go, very bad. It hit my heart. It took... A while to get over that, what I saw. But God sets people free. The truth sets people free. And it says that there were many tormented and demon-possessed, but he set them free. His fame went abroad throughout the whole land. Everything the devil promised him, or tried to promise him, with his limited ability of giving it, in God's timing. And it was everything. It was the whole shebang, the whole package. It was everything. He accomplished God's purpose. And if he had murmured or complained or become bitter that he had to do that process, none of it would have happened. None of it would have happened. He wouldn't have fulfilled God's purpose for himself or for us even today. We would not have a relationship with God, and we would live hopeless, empty, meaningless lives. And we'd have no no hope for eternity. So we make choices today. When every choice we make, we cannot choose the consequence of that choice. That's powerful when you think about it. We make a choice, but we cannot choose what's going to be the outcome of that. We may be able to estimate what we think might happen, but ultimately we really can't choose the consequences. We need God. We need his spirit to direct us. We need to know his word so that we can operate in truth and love. So on days when we struggle the most, and I know there are people in our body that are struggling with loss and sickness and not knowing what to do next. We've all been there and we love you and we're for you and we're praying for you. But when we're struggling so hard, we can be thankful that Jesus opened the door for this relationship. And we can be thankful that God gave us the relationships we have to encourage one another. So I'm thankful today that on this journey of life that I have an anchor for my soul. He is my steady. He is my steady. And I'm thankful that God has provided people that have gone before me like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or y'all and your testimonies, people before me in generations that have given me hope and that have said, keep going, keep going. And they've shown me how to look for the good in situations. So anyway, I am finished, but I hope you are encouraged. That's my prayer, is that you'll be encouraged whatever battle you are facing to hang on and trust God, to guard your heart, what you look at, what you're, what you say, guard it to the best of your ability and trust the Lord to keep you. And choose to be grateful and find reasons to be grateful as we celebrate Thanksgiving. There will be an end. There will be an end to the tunnel and the pain. There will be an end. It may look different. It may not be the same. But God can restore hope and he can bring light in any situation. Fruitfulness will return.
0: I fight my battles with a heart of gratitude, a heart of gratefulness. In the middle of a pandemic, there's no better time to praise the Lord. And I hope God's going to give you a great week together with some people that love you and that you love. And even like Judy said, if you're alone and you're sitting at your table, that you will feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I felt that the first morning after my wife was gone. I felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit that very day thank you lord for that this week we thank you lord and we are grateful people in jesus name we go and we walk that out amen god bless you have a great week god bless